Welcome to episode 185 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we review game three of the 2020 State of Origin series and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 185 of the Rugby League Republic podcast. We aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I am your co-host, Dr. T, and joining me is Tish. Tish, what can I say? State of Origin is over for another year, and mm. it's the same old, same old story, isn't it? Yeah, Dr. T, it is. It is, um, you know... <laughs> What transpired over the last 24 hours is is shocking. Um, there will have to be, uh, you know, my people are already working uh, on on uh, on a, uh, a a civil suits, a lawsuit, um, <laughs> a recount. You know, we yeah, need a recount. We need a recount. We need Rudy Giuliani uh, to count how many seconds and minutes there are in a football game, because right. we're going to talk about that in a minute. Well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But look, uh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, look, uh, a a result that uh, even though that uh, it is it is a shock, it is an upset. I'd say. Um, I think a lot of people also felt that this would be coming, uh, particularly because of um, you know just just recent hi- history. But look, I, I got to say, instead of watching three, I think it was uh, the decider. It was probably the best game of the series. Um, oh, not the best result for New South Wales, but I thought in terms of a match and the drama right at the end, I, I really thought that. Uh, it, it was it was quite a great game. It was, it was a bit more fluid than others, and uh, yeah, I thought, I thought it was great. And and I think that is the that is the final game for the for well final game for Australian Rugby League uh, for the for the year. So I thought it was a, a great end to the season. A big crowd at Suncorp. So uh, those are the positives. But um, yeah, how about yourself, Doctor T? What do you thought? Uh, well, let's, I week? think I'll reserve my thought for our um, match review. Yeah, cool. All right, my, there we first, go. my absolute, you know, my my initial reaction and, uh, you know, my how has my week been? Uh, well, it's, it's put a bit of a dampener on things. Let's put it that way. Mm, <laughs> so, gotcha. So, gotcha. But let, let's let's dive into it because I think we're ready to get stuck into it. So we got six tackles coming up. Uh, some of them are about the origin. Some are about a few other things which we'll get into. But why don't we just do it? Let's get started with tackle number one. Here we go, our six tackles. The match review of Game 3, State of Origin 2020. Here we go. All right. Tish, it was a Queensland victory in Game 3. 20 points to 14. Uh, Tries to Valentine Holmes in the third minute. Queensland in the 36th minute to Edric Lee in the 62nd minute to Harry Grant four goals to Valentine Holmes including a penalty and a sin bin to Corey Allen in the 76th minute very dramatic circumstances mm. they were up 12-6 and ended up uh, winning 20-14 to 
Uh, and New South Wales tries to James Tedesco in the eighth minute and in uh, Daniel Tupo in the 65th minute and three goals to Nathan Cleary, including a penalty in the last eight minutes. Uh, and look, it was a, uh, a very dramatic circumstances, as you said. The, it was at Suncorp Stadium. It was a 49,155. I believe it was the uh, the largest crowd in the world mm. yep. for uh, any professional sport. Um, mm. Obviously, due to COVID, there have been restrictions. Miraculously, despite what's been happening with South Australia in uh, with a bit of a cluster and, and uh, coming up again with COVID and and all the states deciding to shut the borders again and and deciding to uh, to to tell families to put their holiday plans on hold because uh, we cannot guarantee that we're not going to have borders shut. This is after there have been massive airline sales for interstate travel. There's been a lot of interest recently in interstate travel. Miraculously, while all this is going on, the Premier of Queensland decided to allow a relaxation of um, of the uh, COVID rules to allow for a filling up of the Suncorp Stadium. It was pretty much at capacity with no restrictions, pretty much, yeah. apart from a few people wearing masks and a few people more that should have worn masks. Um, they were, you know, not, uh, you know, some people don't look good when they're drunk. But anyway, um, look... It was uh, an interesting look. One of the best, if not the best, I would have to say, football grounds in the world. So you certainly can't fault uh, the big crowd there, and that, that's awesome. But uh, you know, again, miraculously, all the, <laughs> the, the the restrictions were eased. The on the eve of this uh, most important occasion, and look, I have to say, Tish, there's a few ways we can approach this. Twenty to fourteen, very disappointing. For New South Wales, we probably thought that we should have uh, should have got this one. Um, I'm going to start with my the first thing, which overall you're hearing a lot about. How could this team lose to the worst Queensland team in 40 years? You know, a bunch of farmers and, and rednecks, and you know, no, you know, debutants and all over the place. Tish, I didn't buy into that because if you look at the Queensland squad, they've still got some pretty big star players. This was nothing like the 1995 uh, mm. Super League-affected uh, State of Origin series where Benny Eichen, a 17-year-old at the time... Playing um, reserve grade. Playing reserve grade, met Paul Vorton, and Paul Vorton's like, who are you? <laughs> you know, this is nothing... <laughs> This is nothing like that. We're talking about players who, you know, they may have debuted for Queensland, but they've been starring in their teams. They've been showing a lot of promise in their own NRL team. So let's let's get over this hype, I think, that uh, this was a poor Queensland team. I don't think it was at all. I think it was a very strong Queensland team. You're just forgetting that there was... It was a, a notch down, a notch or two down from what it was in the in previous years. Obviously, no Thurston, no Cameron Smith, no Cooper Cronk. No, Greg Inglis. That, that does a lot to a team, but they still had Munster. The, you know, they still had Cherry Evans, who's still the the Australian halfback. You know, let, let's get real about this. We're not talking about a team that, on paper, is that much worse than New South Wales. Having said that, New South Wales had a lot of uh, players that you would have expected to have performed better. You know, the Dalian winner did uh, had had hardly any impact on this series. Uh, mm. Jack Whiten, which was totally the opposite of. I guess what we would have expected of him or what happened last series. So 
Let me just ask you this, uh, Tish. Do you think that we should be extra ashamed this year as New South Welshmen that we didn't <laughs> we that we got defeated by the poorest quote unquote team of uh, in forty years, uh, or do you totally not buy into that? But look, I um, look. I think that um, I don't buy that buy into that at all. Um, you know, I do think. You know, I did hear people say, "Yeah, this is the worst team in forty years," and so forth. And you know, and I I do understand bits of that argument, but I think overall, what you just mentioned right there, Doctor T, is that um, you know they weren't losing as many stars as what you actually think, right? And on top of all of that, um, you know that they have uh, the gag eyes, the Valentine Holmes. Monsters, they've still got remnants of of players that were part of the, you know, um, you know, 14, 15 year of dominance. You know, they've still got all that infrastructure there. And I think I think um, you know, New South Wales always gets into this trouble. It's like, you know, it, it, State of Origin is a bit like the uh Wiley Coyote Roadrunner uh cartoons, you know. Some t- <laughs> it, there's a bit of a repeat mode, you know, where <laughs> you know New South Wales will have a couple of good seasons and all of a sudden you know, state of origin is dead. It's gone. You know, it's not even a contest anymore. And then suddenly, uh, Queensland. You know, they produce superstars. They 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 pick them when they're young. They they pick with they pick them, uh, and they stick with them. They don't they don't try and pay, pick players out of position. They just try to find the best um, Queenslander or best uh, you know dubious <laughs> selection for a Queenslander for that position. And, uh, you know, the other thing they talk about is the camp. You know, they seem to have a great time um, with each other in their, in their camps and everything like this. And, um, you know, they they have a, um, you know, they're, just a, they're very good at building that sort of camaraderie. And it all comes down to, you know, being part of the, you know, even though it's a big state geographically, being part of the small state from, you know, all the other reasons. You know, it's, a, it's you know, obviously it's a younger state, so... You know, New South Wales got more people and things like that. So, I, I, I think there's. Um, I don't think we should ever take teams lightly. So, but but going back to that, yeah, that '95 side is probably still, uh, I'd say, the biggest upset in Origin history. Um, but I think this is a this is a very significant one. I feel because I think there was talk about how New South Wales will dominate State of Origin now um, in the next few years, and clearly by the birthing of Harry Grant at dummy half, by what Munster was able to do. Look, Munster controlled the game, really. He was he was everywhere when it came to Queensland, right? I mean, all of their great plays, all their... Uh, everything was, was, was wrapped around Munster. So he had the game of his life. Um, and then, obviously, the, he, you know, it's a great supporting cast of players that they have there as well. Um, and, you know, next year, they're probably going to... Um, you know, he, he was out for surgery... Um, but they're going to have the uh, fullback, uh, you know, the sort of, you know, the, the Newcastle fullback, who's, uh, I just forgot his name, um, you know, he's just like a young sensation. Um, oh, Eisen, no. Who are you talking about? No, no, no. The, uh, the Newcastle uh, guy with the headgear. Uh, oh, Callum Ponga. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Callum oh, that's Ponga, what I meant. Yeah. yeah. We're missing Callum Ponga uh, for this year's series, uh, but they're going to have Callum Ponga back. And I think they'll fit, uh, you know, they're missing a few players as well that, they normally would have had in their lineup, so I think, True, yeah. I, yeah. So, so I, I think that with um, uh, Queensland, it kind of shows that they are going to keep state of origin competitive. Um, and on the New South Wales point of view, I think you know with New South Wales, they, uh, yeah, it was very interesting game. I think yeah, if we want to talk about the game, um, you know, obviously, 
yeah, we'll talk. Yeah, um, you know, I think I think obviously the most significant uh, turning point for the game for me was the injury to uh, makeshift captain James Tedesco. You know, player yeah, of the series last year. Yeah, yeah, player of the series last year, and uh, uh, and sort of you know, and you know, he's he's obviously the fullback. It was very interesting co- commentary how they were like, oh, let's move White and out to fullback. And I was like, but you've got Clint Gutherson there. Like, who I, plays, it was fullback of the year. If there was any, if there was any doubt that the commentary team has lost the respect or and or the plot uh, of of uh, of uh, the audience, I thought when when I heard that, I thought, hang on, Clint Gutherson was literally named the fullback Dallium fullback of the year. Yep, and. And we've just been talking about how our centres have been playing out of position. Yes. And you want to put the Daly M player of the year, Jack Whiten, out of position again at fullback when you've got a ready-made fullback there who, you know, to be honest, moving Gutherson away from that right centre where he was getting continually monstered by, uh, I forget his name now. Uh, was it, <laughs> what's his name? Uh uh oh, geez, I forgot his name. Um, anyway, whoever uh, it was, Capewell, 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 that's it. Yep. Uh, he uh, who himself was out of position, but he was. Look, there was a good battle there on in in the in the centres there, but it mm. was one where, you know, Gutherson was a bit out of sorts. He was a bit of a defensive liability. Um, mm. he did manage to monster a few hits uh, in that game, but. I thought, yeah, that, that was an example of where the, the commentators lost the plot. Like, it would have been... A, and, in fact, as soon as Gutherson was put into fullback, he actually made some pretty good decisions oh, yeah. and pretty good saves. And I thought, you know... I he mean, was a 10 out of 10 at fullback, I think. O- honestly, like, uh, no drop ball. Look, if you if you go into a, t- a game and you've got to play a new position, you should, uh, you know, I, I think your rating, player rating should be a 10 out of 10 because... You're playing out of position for that. And look, he's playing his his position. Didn't drop a ball. And what I loved, he was the only person talking um, that I right. saw. He's got a passion of a Queenslander. Oh, mate, yeah, he, yeah. He, he, he does. And um, I, and what was, I think, a bit worrying is that he was probably talking more than what, say, the Cook, the you know, Damien Cook and, and the Nathan Cleary's were. You know, he's, you know, you could just sort of, you, you could see him say, come on, come on, let's do it. Come on, let's go. And, uh, there was one time where the, you know he chased the ball after it went dead, and he was sprinting to the twenty meter line to get the restart. So, look, I think yeah, Gutherson. I mean, what a mistake to have him in the centres. I, I really think so. So, anyway, back to to your thought there, Doctor T. Sorry, I cut you off. No, no, not at all. And look, I think I, I was actually going to ask you. Look, before we dive into some of the details, I think I, I just wanted to ask you, uh, or I could ask you this at the end, but I thought I'd ask you this now. At the end of the day. Do you think Queensland deserved to win in terms of how they played? Because I, in my mind, as a, a you know a very passionate New South Welshman as you are as well, if I'm putting my reality goggles on, um, Queensland did kind of dominate. I mean, yes, New South Wales had a very good defence, and and you know, were it not for Valentine Holmes uh, leaving his uh, his uh, his uh, sticky hands at home. Uh, he oh, would have scored yeah. probably three, four tries. He uh, he, he completely bundled some tries. And so I personally think that Queensland were well on top and were lucky not to be further in front. Having said that, my summary of the game, if I was to summarise this very, very succinctly, 
it would it would be Queensland dominated possession, did the little things right, dominated field position, um, and New South Wales, however, showed a lot of spirit to to make it a fight at the end. And unfortunately, uh, Jared Sutton doesn't know how to keep time. <laughs> That's the other thing, because there was a challenge, a captain's challenge to uh, to a, a knock-on that happened with at least 10 seconds to go. It was called a knock-on against uh, um, uh, Junior Paulo, where it wasn't a knock-on. It was actually a knock-on for um, – oh, actually, that it was argued that it was play-on, and then – uh, Jack Jake Friend actually picked up the ball and ran backwards, and you know, in, in a way, kind of to finish off the match. But really, it should have been played as a knock-on, and uh, and that would have allowed ten seconds of play. Uh, it would have allowed that. But you know, Jared said, "Look, you can challenge, captain's challenge," and they did, and they won it. But because time had elapsed, um, they said the too late time has elapsed. Now, I think. Personally, I think that's a disgrace. I mean, I've, if you ever watch, I mean, for a professional game to, to yeah. just go, oh, too late now, time's elapsed. No, you have to wind the clock back to where it should have been and yeah. play from there. I mean, if you look at the NFL, this happens all the time. If if there is a mistake, if there is a, a foul played or or something, they wind the clock back to where it should have been and, and they acknowledge the error. And they get on with it, and then they say, "Okay, well, you know, we we actually uh, played it played it on for another five seconds, but it should have gone back to that. So now, now the ball is with this team, and they have this many seconds left. You know, that's what should have happened here, and that would have given yeah. the Blues one more. But in in saying that, at the end of the day, am I disappointed that uh, you know were we robbed? No, I don't know about robbed, but I think we need to clean up our act a little bit in terms of a professional sport and how we handle these situations." But I don't think we're robbed. I think Queensland deserved to win. And I think for me, the uh, overall thing that I wanted to ask was, do you think Queensland deserved to win? And do you agree with the summary? But also, uh, yeah, well, I'll start with that and then we can dive into what went wrong. So uh, what about okay. you? Is that What's your overall summary of what went down? Okay, look, I think, yes, I agree with you. I think Queensland deserved to win. Uh, look, essentially they did dominate possession and they did dominate position field position in the in the whole field. And look, essentially they found, you know, after the it, you gotta remember after about maybe I think it was like within the first ten minutes, you know, both teams had had, had actually scored tries and now the game is sort of in the balance. And then, you know, Queensland were able to uh you know, Tedesco got injured, but not just that, um, they started dominating field uh, field uh, like possession, you know, they they kicked the ball early and then um New South Wales are on the back foot and this is kind of the you know, it's either an issue with rugby league. I haven't worked out whether what New South Wales can really do about it because it is really hard to try and win the momentum back once you've ha- once the other team has got it. But New South Wales were never able to 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 for the rest of the game really. Um, you know, get the momentum back. The momentum was all with Queensland the entire game, and that's why they had multiple opportunities. That's why there was multiple tries they they bombed because that you know once they had that field. Per- uh, position and they were able to control uh, possession. You know, it's really hard unless you get a penalty or a six again when you're trying to take the ball out. Can you actually, you know, reverse it around? And uh, you know, there was uh, in in game two, we did actually see New South Wales do a few interesting things which they didn't even uh, think about. You know, one of them was the you know the early kick for Josh Adekar, um to set up uh, a position down deep into Queensland's half. They actually didn't do any of that, and uh, mm. 
you know, and I thought that, you know, so look, I understand that they were tired, that, you know, they, they did a lot of defense and the, you know, New South Wales defense overall uh, w- was really fantastic, but they just had a failure to be able to get the, uh, to get the ball. Uh, now, when it got really close in the last 10 minutes, if you also remember, Cody Walker suffered a, a really horrible injury. I think he was um, out cold and they had to get the um, the mobile stretcher out uh, as well to, to escort him off the field. Um, yeah. But, you know, when it, with him going, um, I didn't understand why Whiten was still in the centres. <laughs> I thought you would have moved the Dally M player of the year. Five-eighth of the year, yeah. Five-eighth of the year into five-eighth. Um you know, and and, and move it into into five and, and and as a result, but yeah, but then they, they just lack creativity. And and Nathan Cleary, he he is a great organizer, but I think he kind of you could sort of it's really telling that when it comes to um, when it just comes to like being able to to create that moment or create that play that sort of gets you to you know to win the game. He sort he sort of uh, that's probably not him yet or. May not be him ever. It's the, it's the part of the game that he needs to develop. Really, is the is the ability to have that you know that that uh you know that last minute sort of moment sort of thing the the, the championship moment if I can say that and you know mm. he kind of had that moment in the grand final too if you recall um you know but they just sort of left their run a little late but on top of that they you know they they they, they had a chance right at the end but they just couldn't they couldn't uh, they couldn't do it um, you saw him do the. Uh, the classic uh, Mitchell Moses uh, chip kick as well, <laughs> and, to, we, and with a with a really poor attempt at milking a uh, a penalty there, which was nowhere near going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but that 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 Des- is a sign. desperation, desperation, desperation. That is a sign of desperation, and it's a sign that at the moment he doesn't know what to do to sort of win the game. You know, and that and I think that's a big separator between. You know, you sort of your your Wally Lewis's, your Andrew Johns, your Brad Fittlers, your you know, even your Benji Marshalls. You know, so many games you've seen these great players being able to to even if they've been not the best team, being able to pull out the win in the end. Um, but at the moment, the New South Wales they're not that sort of team that can do that. And well, yeah. I think I think it was on Nathan's shoulders. It maybe it's a bit harsh because he you know he was. There was obviously adversity there, but I, I just felt that they just the the setup wasn't right, and uh, you know, fullback of the year Peppenhausen was in the squad, but uh, didn't play a game. Well, it wasn't fullback of the year; it was Gutherson that was. So Gutherson, sorry, but, yeah, anyway, sorry. Look, look, let oh, sorry, what's it, what's it called? The uh, the Clive Churchill medalist. Oh, that's right. Yeah, look, <laughs> you, you mentioned something about you know maybe Cleary doesn't have it in him to kind of uh, pull a game out of the hat, and. And look, that's that's a fair point. And and you look at, well, I guess I guess the thing to look at is evidence. You know, when was has he ever done that? Has, has he ever been the kind of player? So let's be let's be fair. When we're when we're putting expectations on these players at Origin level, a lot of it is based on reputation during, like I guess the NRL, but not actual evidence of them ever having done something like this. So. I can't remember a game where where the Panthers were. You would know better, I guess, but I, I can't remember a yeah. game where I guess the Panthers or or any other team that he's represented were behind and needed something, and he managed to pull something out of it, out of the hat. I don't. I don't think he's that kind of a player. Um, no. You know, having said that, 
he had just come off a match-winning performance the, the week before in State of Origin Game 2 where he actually took the line on and almost threw out the rule book compared to what he was doing in Game 1. And then he proceeded to go back to doing exactly what he was doing in Game 1. Now, yeah. which I thought, this is not going to work. It didn't work in Game 1. Why would you do it again? Now, a lot of people might say, well, that was because that was off the back of a dominant forward uh, performance by the Blues. Well, that wasn't always the case throughout the entire game either in Game 2. Yeah. So this is not really fair, a fair thing to say. The other thing is, towards the end when we did get desperate and he did actually take the line on, they were kind of a bit energized and he did actually Mm. make some inroads, but it was to no avail because again, desperation at that point, it's too late. And the difference though is if you look at Gutherson, there've been plenty of games this year where Gutherson has, uh, you know, even in the semifinals, I mean, they were, they were behind, uh, I think it was against, uh, it was against the Rabbitohs. They were behind and then he, he got them to the front basically. Um, Yeah. And it was really him. <laughs> he was the one that set up everything. And he is that kind of a force within New South Wales that they need. And so they've got to harness that somehow and use that. Uh, hopefully not in when he's out of position. But then again, what do you do? If you've got Tedesco there, you don't want to necessarily move him either. So there's a bit of a problem there. That if you, you've got two great fullbacks and you don't know what to do with them. So you have to think of something. But... But look, the other the other thing that I wanted to say was, uh, you know, there was a, there's a lot to be said. If we talk about what went wrong for New South Wales, um, you know, those of you who are playing along and notice that our tagline for two episodes ago of this podcast was what went wrong with New South Wales. And then last <laughs> game two, it was what went right for New South Wales. And I think this time around, we'll go back to what went wrong for New South Wales because... <laughs> It, you know, it's it, it, it's not so much what Queensland did, I think, that won them the game. It's what New South Wales didn't do well that lost them the game. And this is almost always the case in Origin. It is about the mistakes that you make that get amplified. Yeah. And to me, the biggest mistake was, it, A, it was the, you know, putting players out of position is one thing. But I think a lot of the problem that we have in New South Wales is that you've got some very inconsistent players. The thing with Queensland is, you know, you might think if you're a Newcastle Knights supporter that Dane Gagai doesn't always turn up and it doesn't always, uh, you know, isn't always a star player that he's made out to be. But you wouldn't say that if you were a Queensland Maroons supporter because you would always see him give 100%. He was he was on fire on occasion uh, last night yeah. in that game. He looked like a, you know, almost like the Michael Hancock of old. He was almost impossible mm. to touch um, and catch at times. And and you and we don't really have that many players in New South Wales that do that, uh, despite the fact that obviously Cody Walker got knocked out, but uh, towards the end there. But uh, as sad as that is, that was almost the first time that I noticed he was in the game. Oh, do you know what? I, no, I, I'm. I, what did he do? Uh, what well, did he well, do during the game, compared to game two where he absolutely tore them up? Um, what what could he have done more? Well, get involved. Yeah. I mean, Cleary yeah. as well. Enough with the midfield bombs. Run, yes, run at I, the line. You I, you I, you have speed. Use it. You know, I just yeah. don't understand, and I wonder whether this is. It points to another issue, which might be Freddie Fitler got outcoached 
by the master coach, Wayne Bennett, who basically we thought would come in and, and really all he's done is he's come in and he's taught them to go back to go back to basics, <laughs> you know, yeah. possession football, field position, the really boring things. But guess what? It, they dominated two out of the three games and they deservedly won the series. And, and that's despite the fact that conspiracy theorists might say that the only way that they were able to beat New South Wales this year is to knock out their captains in two of the three games. Because <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Boyd Cordner <laughs> in game one and James Tedesco in game two in game three. So, look, yeah, um, look, yeah very. Uh, that, that's my kind of summary of it. But, Tish, what went wrong for New South Wales? Yeah, well, the outcoaching point, yeah. Again, I've got to, I've got to agree with you. You know, it's interesting you talk about um, boy. I actually forgot about the Boyd Corner being knocked out, right? Because what happened in Game 2 is our Cameron Munster got knocked out, right? So, Game 3, Tedesco gets knocked out. Now, New South Wales are scrambling, right? Where are we going to do this? You know, there's panic there's panic stations. It's pandemonium, uh, all, all, all that kind of thing, you know. Uh, probably not the best. But anyway, so... <laughs> um, so, so, and then they're like, well, they make the point that we have four forwards on the bench. And I thought to myself, you know, if you, if you know that in game one, you lost, you know, you lost your, your captain game two, the opposition lost somebody, you'd probably want to keep a back in the bench in case you need to cover for an injury. <laughs> right. <laughs> you'd think so. You you'd think you you would you would have some sort of so I think that was kind of the first mistake and I think you're right the other thing is that maybe the gameplay is a bit fancy you know I, I always think that I think one of the indicators of, of whether a team's going to play well or not is the number of um, people allocated to kicking the ball because um, the more kickers you have kicking the ball on a regular basis during the game um, means that there's different angles there's different types of kicks um, you know there's there's uh, kicks. You know, on different tackles, like, you know, a tackle, you know, on tackle three and four, getting an early kick away, you know, wait until tackle five, sometimes run the ball on tackle. You know, it just gives you a lot more options if you've got multiple kickers. But New South Wales, Cleary pretty much kicked just about, I think it was like 80% of the, the time he was kicking the ball. And that's always your, a, a bad sign. If you notice with uh, Queensland, they, they shared it pretty commonly with Munster and Cherry Evans. Um, but you also had, you know... Um, you know, Harry Grant had an amazing kick as well that almost led to a try. Um, you know, so even I think even Edric Lee actually kicked the ball <laughs> as well when they um, spread it out wide as well a little bit. Mm. So you know that that's always uh, that's always uh, 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 yeah. It kind of shows that they didn't really they had like this is your position that you do, this is your role, and and don't move outside of that role. And the problem is, I don't think that's the type of uh, coaching you need at Origin, I think, and look, I, I think Freak probably knows it as well. But they probably just, you know, they probably they, they probably outsmarted themselves. Is probably the best way I, I, I think they try to get maybe a bit too fancy and just, uh, as you said, you know, you look at Queensland, you know, everybody's got smiles on their faces. They've got a very simple, basic game plan, and they just go and follow it. There's you know, it, a lot of times it feels like there's no pressure on the players as well. By the way, like you know, whereas. <laughs> You know, you yeah, see, yeah. you see the bench on New South Wales, and everybody's nervous. Um, you know, it's like you know, who stole the cookies? That's how they all look. You know, <laughs> you know, which is kind it's of like what you moment. don't expect out of a Brad Fittler coach team. You know what yeah. I mean? You kind of expect yeah. them to be a bit more laid back and whatever. But the, did you notice in the dressing rooms at halftime what a different style 
of coaching and approach. So in Queensland dressing room, all the players were sitting down in a semicircle, uh, relaxing, basically letting their muscles rest. And I think Munster was getting attended to by some physio was doing something on his neck and shoulders, shoulder muscles. And Wayne Bennett was up there sort of talking to them. Uh, Once in a while, Cherry Evans would talk and everyone would look at him, but they were all sitting down. Then they showed the New South Wales Blues dressing room and the Blues were basically just kind of uh, standing around, pumped up, you know, like trying to, um, you know, stretch their legs or whatever. It, It just looked like it just looked like a shambles basically (laughs) and it it didn't really look like I mean he may have spoken to them maybe it was a timing thing but Brad Fittler was kind of just walking around talking to people individually I just wonder whether there was maybe the thing with Wayne Bennett is there's a clear message and he's the leader he's the coach and there's no question about that and whereas I felt like with New South Wales it was like it was up to Gutherson and others to go around and pump each other up. Come on, boys, we can do it. And it's like you, you almost, I mean, as much as we talk about the Queensland spirit, they you didn't see them doing that in the dressing room. I think there's just an inherent kind of quiet confidence among Queenslanders that mm. they don't need to visibly pump each other up like Gutherson did for, for the team because they just know that they're always in with a chance of winning. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, oh, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, there is, there is an obvious truth. It's just the way they, um, yeah. The, the halftime is, you know, the the halftime is is one factor. Even even the way they sort of run out onto the field, like you could sort of see just by body language that they they are more relaxed. You know, they're sort of smiling and everything. They're nervous. You can see there's a bit of nervous energy as well. But I mean, like case in point. Look, I know that. Um, I know that. Uh, sorry, there. Uh, Corey Allen was on debut, and there were some. Notable, notable mistakes that he, even led to the first try as well, right from uh, Tedesco um, that that he made. But you know, it didn't let. You know, in the end, I thought he had a pretty good game. <laughs> so you know, it, it, even when you're on debut and you make errors, it's not like you you know you're you're necessarily. Um, I think it's a very supportive culture and environment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then and then you know we've got to talk about you know the I. Uh, uh, you know, I know that Cameron Cameron Munster did deserve man of the match. I, I, I do have to say that, but uh, Harry Grant was unbelievable when he when he came onto the field. Um, some of those runs, some of those uh, passes, and I thought even just the way he passes the ball out of dummy half, you could all of a sudden Queensland were like three times quicker than New South Wales when they had the ball. And um, you know, uh, I think uh, Paul Vorton said in commentary that he was. You know, he's the answer to Damien Cook. Um, and, you know, <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. yeah the, the, there is a comparison. And I, I, I do got to say, it is exciting for Origin to think that maybe, you know, in the next few years, you're going to see Cook versus Grant and, and see what type of, um, you know, content it's going to be. Um, he is also born... <laughs> Okay, in New South Wales. Oh, don't tell me that. Oh, yeah, no. yeah. And uh, there's a, there is a story about how he's... Uh, his um his dad even up till like the day of the game had a New South Wales jersey on and uh, I think Harry Grant bought him a Queensland jersey. Uh, wow, so, this is so, going to be one of those stories, isn't it? Oh no. <laughs> yeah, there you go, there you go. But look, uh, well done to Queensland, and look, you know, uh, we every, every, okay. I have no idea what's going on there, but anyway, but but let me fix myself up. But yeah, over to you, Doctor T. All right. Know. 
you got a bit excited there. But look, I think uh, look at the end of the day, I think uh, yeah, Queensland deserved it. But I do want to say one last thing. I think for New South Wales, uh, we we did sort of play boring one-out football, unfortunately. And it was only when we decided to throw the ball around that we actually realised, hey, this could be a winning tactic. And so I think, uh, in my mind, I think it's a shame that New South Wales uh, realised that a little bit too late. So, uh, look, with all that being said, let's move on to tackle number two. Here we go. All right, so tackle number two is about Cameron Munster winning the 2020 Wally Lewis medal for player of the series at in origin. Uh, well done, Cameron Munster. I think it's the first time he's uh, captured that award. Uh, Tish, what are your thoughts on Cameron Munster winning the player of the series? Do you think he deserved it, or do you think there's another player, you know, New South Wales or Queensland, that possibly deserved this award? Okay, well, look, well done to Cameron Munster. Um, look, I think he was clearly the... Uh, man in a match for game two. So then this year, five eighth, you know, he, yeah, he's had a huge month. You know, if you think about it, you know, sort of won the premiership uh, for the Melbourne Storm and here he is winning a series here. He was great in, in game one as well. You know, he sort of um, led the, you know, the attack for for Queensland and, and now game two. The, the only thing that, that I thought, uh, look, I know the system that they're doing it um, where it's a 3-2-1 instead of a, a 4-3-2-1 um, and, you know, they've got like, you know, the... The judges themselves don't even know what the others had voted and all that sort of thing. Um, but I am surprised that even um, by not playing pretty much all of game two, he was still able to have enough points to win. Um, I, it always sort of gets me when you've got a player that doesn't uh, play the entire series uh, and and still is able to get up. And maybe I think if if I was to, you know, if I could move away from the 3-2-1 system every single thing, you know, if you think about the series and which player out of the entire series was sort of, um, you know, he may not necessarily be best on ground every every game, but he was definitely one of the top, you know, three to five players in each game and really influenced his team in a positive way. Um, I kind of think if you were to go by that sort of rules, I actually think Dane Gagai is actually the player of the series. Because um, you did mention it, you know, he, he brought that old Queensland spirit uh, into it. You know, he's got the uh, the Dale Shearer effect, you know, mm. uh, where he just goes another level when he plays uh, for Queensland. You know, he was really good in game one. Um, and I think it was really important for him to play well because it really gave confidence to the players around him. In game two, he didn't capitulate, you know. Um, it was obviously frustrating for, for Queensland, but he still stood up as a leader. And also in game three, you know, he, he um, you know, so he was continuing his role as a senior member of the team, uh, you know, be, being the first one to pat people on the back and just being that really good team player as well. Um, did some good things. You know, I think the Valentine Holmes try, you know, set up um, Holmes brilliantly in the corner there. So I think, um, look, I think as much as I think Munster, yes, he, he is definitely uh, up there. I think actually maybe Gagai is probably probably the, the more deserving. I, How about yourself, the doctor? I team? have to disagree. Look, I think I can see why people are thinking Munster, but I think that that they they kind of have got the 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 rose coloured glasses looking at just the recent game as opposed to the entire series. I'm obviously it's I think it's pretty ridiculous to give a player who missed an entire game um, <laughs> a player of the series award when. I mean, saying that it was a decider, and he was the key, the key reason why they won. <laughs> but it yeah. wasn't. It wasn't a, 
it wasn't a total whitewash. And I look at actually the, what you said in terms of a player that kind of performed well through all the games and really a player that I, I think was not really, you know, would have been in the top two or three players on his team every single game was Josh Adokar. And I think he he kind of, I don't think he played a bad game. I think he also, towards the end, actually, of, of game three, there could have been a case. In fact, facetiously, I think Phil Gould in the commentary team suggested that they should have awarded him a penalty try, which uh, it would have been a, an impossible feat. But, you know, more likely than not, he would have, uh, you know, for, for those of you who don't know, he there was a bit of a break and he, uh, he chipped ahead and he got knocked out uh, as he was running. If you look at the replay, he was, uh, knowing that he's one of the fastest players in both teams, he was running and he was already ahead of the Queensland Chasers and would have got to the ball with plenty of time. It was about, I would say, 15, maybe 20 metres out from the goal line, the Queensland goal line, and he uh, he got nudged. I don't remember which player it was, but anyway, he got knocked knocked sideways and completely off the ball and, and uh, a, a professional foul was given. Oh, in fact, it was uh, was that the professional foul that Corey Allen got uh, sent off yeah, for? Sin Bin, Sorry, yeah, of course, right. Simbin for. Yeah, so it was that one. And uh, But I look at that and I think, well, yeah, Phil Gould's probably right. He probably would have got to the ball, but you can't blame the bunker for not wanting to adjudicate on that line because it, it is a very <laughs> risky thing to do that. And and you look at that and you think, well, that could have actually turned the game. That would have won almost won New South Wales a game, or at least got us close to being tied. And 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 you look at the way, you know, he was almost always the most dangerous uh, New South Welshman. Yeah, mm. he was not. I mean, granted, he was a little bit of a liability in defence because he was playing out of position again. Uh, that's another thing, you know, why couldn't we get Tupu on the other side? Why did we have to put him on the left side? I have no idea. Um, mm. You know, I I thought Tupu was a, a right winger. I thought he could play that. But for whatever reason, they decided to strengthen their weakness, sorry, weaken their strength, which is Adokar, in order to strengthen the weakness, which is we didn't have uh, Tupu on the other side. So I don't know. I wonder why they didn't change it around. But look, I reckon Adokar has an equal claim to win because across the board, he was uh, almost always considered one of the top New South Wales New South Wales players. Um, you know, and I guess, I, but I do understand why Cameron Munster. At the end of the day, he was the key reason why Queensland won that third game, and he was part of the reason why they won the first game as well. But, but yeah, look, uh, well done, Cameron Munster. That's not to take away from this award. It's a very prestigious medal because Wally Lewis uh, was considered the king of origin. And mm. uh, anyone who gets an award named after him, you know, you've got to really bow down and, and, uh, and give them respect because it means that uh, a jury of, of his peers uh, would, would have, uh, or peers as in like, you know, old legends, I guess, would have <laughs> would, would have voted on it. But um yeah, look, well done, and and I guess they also, um, um, n- not surprising that a Queensland player won it either, because I think they they definitely dominated two of the three games, so well deserved there. All right, let's move on to tackle number three. Here we go. Now, Tish, uh, state of origin. Are we going to have a repeat next year of these November games? What's what's the goss? Okay, well, look, um, I think pretty much. It- it's, uh, you know, 
there's been hints, rumours, a uh, lot of things going on. What will State of Origin uh, look like in t- 2021? And look, the overall uh, result is is that um, State of Origin is likely to go back to mid-season in 2021. Now, um, so yeah, so that's well, basically sanity prevails. <laughs> yeah, sanity prevails, and obviously one of the major reasons is because of the poor ratings that we've had at the end of the season. Um, and even for me as a diehard rugby league fan, I don't know about yourself, the Doctor T. It's it's really really odd to have Origin this time of year. Um, you kind of feel that it is. I know we had a US election, we had the Melbourne Cup, uh, but it's just like there are so many other things that are involved in people's lives. You know, you got Halloween. <laughs> you know, you got like all these. Uh, you know, you got uh, all these different things that happened in November as well. Um, it's just kind of uh, you know, Movember, I suppose. You know, Corey Allen was uh, having it. Having it. <laughs> no, <laughs> I disagree with that, Tish. I think I just was thinking about this the other day, and I think, what else are people doing now? Like in many places, they're kind of they're locked down. They're used to being locked down. Maybe it's the COVID. Uh, the COVID situation has got people so. Um, annoyed with staying at home that they, they want to do anything they can to get out of the house and therefore the ratings go down because people aren't watching on TV. Yeah. I mean, that could be part of the reason. But I think part of the other reason is, yeah, it's just unusual to play uh, Origin at this time of year. I think maybe people aren't used to it. They're, they're, and the other thing is, at this time of year, I think primetime is not necessarily midweek. I wonder if mm. they had played it on a Saturday... Yeah, whether it would have got totally different results. I mean, I think I think they probably could have, of all the years to experiment with that, they could have done that this year just to see whether the weekend kind of game would be enough to kind of hype people up. The reason why it works mid-season, I think, is because you've got the 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 hype factor of of workers, people at work talking to each other, it hypes everything up. Uh, mm. People want to go to the game. It's in the middle of winter, but which is still not that cold in Australia, and so it's kind of nice. Whereas at this time of year, you know, the games are kind of warm. It's a bit too warm, and mm. it's not pleasant necessarily to go to games as a fan. And also, there's no hype, and because it's uh, it's on at a weird time of year, and people just don't get it. So I think that's part of it. But um, yeah, but yeah, Tish, what do you think? Is that what we need to get the ratings back? Go back to what we were doing before? Yeah, I think I think so, and I think I think even the last two years, the formula of, well, actually, the Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday formula hasn't actually worked right because even last year and the year before, the ratings were were better than this year, but there has been that downward spiral which we've sort of talked about. So I think maybe go back to three consecutive Wednesdays, two weeks apart, in the middle of the season, you know, the colder months of the year, uh, you know, not not a lot of public holidays around. You know, uh, you know the most exciting thing is uh, end of financial year sort of thing, um, which isn't that exciting <laughs> for most people. <laughs> so I, I think that's probably going to help with the ratings, and I think also it is probably going to help out the Blues. You know, like uh, you know next year will uh, you know Latrell's going to have his surgery done. You know, that's the other thing. You know, a lot of players that maybe would have played Origin, um, you know, they're sort of healing up from injuries at the end of the season. Um, whereas in the middle of the season, you're not going to schedule your surgery for mid-season um, because, you know, obviously you want to play towards the end of the year too. So I think it's kind of perfect. So, you know, um, I would like to see, I mean, in a perfect world for me, I'd like to see, uh, you know, sort of 16, 16 rounds of, of NRL footy, uh, maybe have, you know, eight 
then do the State of Origin series, then have another eight. Um, mm. Yeah, put some internationals in the middle of the year, and it has to be uh, you know internationals after the grand final as well. Um, but I think I think that's kind of you know uh, I think I think uh, globally we, we've got to work towards a, a calendar that's a bit better. And uh, so yeah, so look, um, I, I think it's big news. I think the fact that we're we're going back and uh, you know I think Queensland's going to be strong with all these new debutants next year, and the I think the Blues are going to get uh, stronger with a couple more players and uh, Trebojevic as well. You know he's, he'll be back next year with Latrell. So you know and Jimmy the Jet signing for the Tigers. Could be a bolter for the centers as well. So yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, l- l- we shall sh- we shall see. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's move on to other news. Tackle number four. Here we go. All right, tackle number four is about Cameron Smith. Tish, has Cameron Smith gone quietly into the night uh, in in transition to president elect Biden? I mean, sorry. Uh, <laughs> You know what, what's what's the deal with Cameron Smith? What's yeah, happening? well, well, look, Cameron Smith. You know, I've heard plenty of uh, interviews from Cameron Smith, and he has talked about how he's a very private person. He doesn't like controversy. He doesn't like to be the center of attention. Well, um, you know, he's made the comment, "What have I done to these people?" Um, <laughs> and that's a response to you know journalists, critics, talkback callers. Um, taking aim at his book. So Cameron Smith has released an autobiography uh, written by Andrew Webster. Um, uh, I believe he said that he did a series of interviews with Andrew Webster, then Andrew Webster wrote it, but it's all his own words. So I don't know how that makes uh, any sense as well. But anyway, that's the whole thing. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, he, was, he, he was also a special guest. Uh, I, uh, I don't know, we, we probably... Uh, should have mentioned this in the State of Origin uh, series, but um, it was the first time that uh, Ray Warren actually called the game on a, um, you know, actually watching the TV uh, because he wasn't allowed to travel to Queensland. And um, they did have, like, little Cameron Smith moments as well. Um, That's right, they know, did, they did. I don't know if he called into the studio or what <laughs> what it was, but, yeah. And, and um, I didn't notice it, Tish, because it was so seamless. I, I kind of thought I was just listening to the referee talking to the players. <laughs> yeah, it was so right. seamless. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I think he even uh, he. I think he halfway through one of his his, his uh, little talks, he did say, "Hey, chids, can you take a look at that one?" Um, so, <laughs> so, so I don't know what it was, but look, um, yeah. So look, he's written a book out, and he's just responded to a lot of uh, you know criticism that people have. Uh, have labelled at the book. Um, the, the book is called The Storm Within. So I, I think that's actually a pretty clever title for, for Cameron. Nice. So look, one of the things, yeah, so one of the uh, talking points is that he uh, he he has a bit of a, uh, a rant in the book about the Melbourne salary cap scandal and, and how, um, you know, he's, he's basically uh, very unhappy with how they were dealt with that situation and those uh, years shouldn't have... Uh, Shouldn't have been have been sort of um, you know taken w- wiped it, away. it against yeah. yeah wiped away so so that was that was one one part um, there was also another little uh, there is also another little thing where he sort of um, you know there was a rumor that he was actually having an extramarital affair a few years ago and uh, with a with a uh, you know a female that that works in media and then. Um, uh, and and uh, yeah, basically, he doesn't make comment in in the book for that, but he doesn't actually explain his rift with uh, Cooper Cronk 
uh, as well, which was uh, sort of you know mysteriously missing out of the book. But I kind of get that too. It is his autobiography. So he, I suppose he could share what he wants and he doesn't want. So look, but, uh, Patish, before you go on, I I think that, that this is why some people have said of all the things that you've said, it's very interesting the thing that you haven't said, which is about the Cooper Cronk situation. <clears throat> In other news. Just before you go on, uh, you know, Guns N' Roses have announced that they're touring Australia next year. And and to me, what we've heard with this Cameron Smith book is like signing up to go to, uh, paying your tickets, going to watch Guns N' Roses and, and, and not hearing, you know, Sweet Child of Mine, you know, not hearing mm. the greatest hits. This is ridiculous. That's right. That's if I'm right. going to buy right. your book, Cameron Smith... I yeah. want to see what this is all about and what you what the situation was with Cooper Cronk because that's what that's what people really want to know. So why aren't you exactly. giving us your greatest hits? It's ridiculous. It anyway, is, sorry, is. go ahead, Tish. You were saying it, it is. It is now. There is a, there is also another part of the book which is about his uh, rivalry with Channel Nine, and uh, you know the whole reason why he's been upset with Channel Nine over all these years is uh, basically uh, around surrounding. A, uh, a 60 minute uh, segment that they did on how he reacted to the Alex McKinnon situation and basically you know he feels that he was a scapegoat um, in 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 that sort of drama <laughs> the, the problem yeah. that I have with all of, with, with that particular situation is that is it really about Cameron Smith or is it really about Alex McKinnon I mean this is about uh, like I think the focus should be on a you know if you're going to write about a, a, an incident like that in your book I haven't read the book so I don't know what he actually says but I don't know if you could be upset if how you've been perceived in a situation when really you've got another player that can't play or can't walk ever again you know so um, I think a little bit of perspective Cameron <laughs> like you know yeah. what I mean so so yeah look um, it is it is it is a very interesting uh, sort of book I probably will get it um, I, I do want to read I, I do you know I, I've kind of softened my hatred towards him I'd say I never really hated him had him I, 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 I'll just say that but I, I do see I do see parts of why he is a great player um, but but you know I also think that um I, I think the idea of him like you know when he when they talk about I oh, he really doesn't like the attention and stuff. I don't know. I feel like he he kind of gets attention anyway, and I think there's a point where you kind of it's a bit like, you know, the, the, yeah, yeah. He, he you kind of feel like maybe maybe he does like the attention. I don't think he. <laughs> could, I just think he does. Like you, know. you get a feeling that when people protest uh, protest too much about oh I don't want attention that they actually do want the attention, which is look. Can I can I just take that on? I was gonna say something very similar, but. In my mind, maybe one way to look at this is, is that look, I I think Cameron Smith is a bit like, uh, you know, in attitude, in terms of attitude and uh, work work rate and work, you know, the the approach to success, he's a bit like Michael Jordan. You know, how there's those Michael Jordan kind of memes around, you know, how he would pick any little incident or something that happened to him. And he would use that as a as a means of motivation, cre- motivation and creating a grudge. It's like you accidentally yeah. bumped Michael Jordan, and it's like before the game, before a finals game. It's like <laughs> I thought I'd show him, you know. And then you know, like this is. It seems like a lot of what Cameron Smith has been on about has been things that are personal slights that he's taken to the nth degree, where which hasn't necessarily been. 
you know, may not have been uh, the cause of it. There was a lot of discussion in the media around, you know, the whatever happened with Cooper Cronk and how Cooper Cronk invited him to his wedding. And the the text message that he got back from Cameron Smith was no. <laughs> when he said, are you coming to the wedding? You know, you're invited. No, basically. And then that kind of made the rift go further. So, again, I don't know what happened. There must have been a reason why they had a falling out. But to me, it's a, it, it's typical of a kind of a, pl- a person that has that kind of temperament of, <clears throat> you know, almost a lack of self-awareness about, like you said, the perspective thing as well. I mean, for all the all the things that have happened and the, the absolute corruption that went on in the storm, for someone who is touted as being an, a future immortal in the game to come out and basically complain and whinge about how he thinks, you know, they were hard done by, to me just reinforces why a lot of people hate him, which is he doesn't get it. He doesn't get how people are annoyed that he gets favoured uh, from the referees, that he somehow manages to manipulate the referee and, and almost never get penalised as much as others do for doing the same thing. He just, I think almost, you know, if we want a clue to why Melbourne Storm and Cameron Smith in particular is treated with such maybe reverence by the referees, is that it's, I don't think it's reverence at all. It might be fear. I think people are afraid of crossing him because just like Michael Jordan, they're afraid that there's going to be some sort of retribution or, or some sort of whinging that goes on. And people would rather avoid that and just go, you know, and, and maybe some people give off that vibe. So, look, I wonder if that's the case uh, with Cameron Smith. So, yeah, there you go. I said it. He's, he's a bit like the vengeful Michael Jordan of, of the NRL. So there you go. Yeah. That's my perspective. What's your final words on this before we move on? Okay, well, I'm just going to say uh, for all of us rugby league fans, stay tuned because Cameron Smith did say that he will announce whether he'll play next season or not before Christmas. Oh, but it's not about him. It's not, no, about, it's not him. about him. It's no, no. yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> so even Santa Claus and Jesus are being upstaged. <laughs> stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. There'll be an announcement on Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So everybody will remember Christmas Eve as the day that Cameron Smith announced. That's right. Look, and it's good good on him for uh, thinking of the timing of it and thinking of others. That's that's really good. <laughs> yeah. right, let's move on to tackle number five. Here we go. All right, so tackle number five. Uh, ticket demands for the World Cup next year exceeding expectations of the organisers. Uh, the organisers of 2021 World Cup have hailed the success of Rugby League's first ever ticket ballot after revealing that 70% of applications have come from people new to the game. Tickets have been bought from 32 countries across five continents, including emerging markets in Brazil and Jamaica, while domestically feedback shows fans with a London postcode applied for the most tickets. Tish, uh, so yeah, obviously the opening match between England and Samoa uh, has got, has, and also the doubleheader final at Old Trafford are the most popular fixtures. And, uh, and look, demand has been far exceeding the expectations of uh, John Dutton, the chief executive of Rugby League World Cup 2021, as well as uh, a bunch of other people. And, uh, and, and yeah, so it looks like despite the pandemic, people are making this early commitment. They're really anticipating it and with looking forward to the World Cup with hope and optimism, uh, it was stated. So, look... 
Tish, some good news there that, that despite um, the pandemic and, and, you know, people having plenty of reasons to not care about sport when other things are going on, that people actually, uh, you know, more importantly, the, the thing, the stat that's really relevant is that there's a lot of people new to the game that are starting to buy tickets to this event. So that would be pretty, uh, from areas new to the game, I should say. Um, Tish, that's pretty good news, isn't it? If you're looking at uh, from from the stats and, and the, the sales stats, uh, any reason to sort of give you hope that this will be a different kind of a World Cup, uh, a more open World Cup and opening to new audiences. I think that's a good sign. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is brilliant. So, you know, one thing that we probably don't see in, you know, in Australian Rugby League is that, you know, this year, obviously with the rugby, you know, NRL starting earlier than other sports, um, in the world, they actually got a lot more coverage from a global point of view, and um, and obviously, you know, also with the influences of social media now, you know, um, there's plenty of people sort of posting content in different locations about rugby league. Um, so I think all of that has now played into you know rugby league getting into places it's never been before. You know, Brazil and Jamaica, you never really thought that um, rugby league would be big there at all, but you know, you've got this balloting system. I, I don't exactly know the ins and outs of it but i think it sounds like um you know every area of the globe will get a certain number of of um you know uh you know interest to the game and and tickets and so forth but you know the fact that they're already starting to sell tickets the fact that they're starting to get interest in all these areas is showing that the game is growing internationally and you know we talk about the ratings going down for state of origin and um you know but on the other end you are seeing a uh you know, it's a renaissance period for for international rugby league. You know, the emergence of Tonga. You know, the exciting games. Um, you know, the the new platforms that everybody could watch rugby league in, and now, um, you know, other areas of the world starting to embrace rugby league. I believe Jamaica is actually one of the teams that are going to play in the rugby league. So maybe that's why uh, Jamaica has actually got it because I think they're actually going to be one of the participants for the very first time, which I think is pretty exciting. So. And uh, I did read that there is actually uh, one or two Jamaican players that are actually playing in the English Super League at the moment. So um, there is, there, there could be, yeah, it, it's going to be very interesting. So looking forward to the World Cup. Obviously, the big issue is going to be <laughs> the pandemic and how the travel restrictions are going to be. So obviously, there's still a chance that this may not happen. Um, I think the other interesting thing is that people are snapping up tickets while, you know, there's still open tickets for the Tokyo Olympic Games next year as well. So um, rugby mm. league still having a, a, a fairly big influence. So um, it could be, I think it will be, the biggest World Cup we've ever had. Awesome. And that leads me perfectly to the final tackle. Tackle number six, here we go. All right. So confidence in the World Cup is uh, at an all-time high. We've got a record sponsorship deal to uh, to underline that and support that. Tish, what's been happening? What is that record sponsorship deal all about? Yeah, well, look, sticking onto the Rugby League, uh, you know, World Cup 2020 World Cup, 2021 World Cup, organisers have hailed the success of their very first ever ticket. Oh, sorry, that's the uh, previous tackle. But what they have <laughs> to <laughs> Okay, sorry about that. So, look, a seven-figure sponsorship deal. Uh, has been announced by the uh, 2020 World Cup, 2021 World Cup Rugby League uh, tournament organisers. Um, the major sponsor, the principal sponsor of the World Cup, 
will be, you know, UK's, you know, biggest car, um, you know, selling platform, Kazoo. That's right. I hope I'm saying that probably, but it's uh, Car Zoo. Yeah, so that makes sense. Car and Zoo. So it is understood that the UK's leading online car retailer, were, you know, is putting in more than one billion million pounds. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, into sponsorship, and that will be the biggest sponsorship that's ever recorded in the 66 uh, year history of the World Cup. So, uh, which is obviously scheduled to play next year. So, well done to Kazoo. Obviously, we we don't have Kazoo in Australia. We have car sales, but you know, it's a pretty big deal. These these car, um, you know, these car sort of uh, platforms. They are big businesses, and they are very notable brands. And uh, you know that uh, you know when you when you have a corporate like that, that um, you now you're talking to people that are you, you know, if you're on a car platform, the ad, you know, the ads are going to get noticed just on that website, you know, and it's mm. something that people have on their phones as well. So I really think it's it's not just a, a good from a financial point of view. I think it's also a really good sponsor in terms of um, awareness building because I think that Kazoo is going to be a platform that millions of people in Britain are going to are going to be accessing every day, and you want these millions of people to know that there's a rugby league World Cup coming, you know, mm. um, and uh, you know, I, I know that this year for the state of origin, for example, I did enter into the Azuzu D Max uh, draw. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, all these other draws that. Kazoo can do on their platform could be a very uh, could could end up being a very good way to to, to market the World Cup. What are your thoughts, Doctor T? Yeah, look, I, I unfortunately I didn't enter that competition. What you have to do work out what at what minute James Tedesco would be illegally knocked out of the game three? Is that what the? <laughs> I don't know, I'm, no, I'm it, just asking. It, it, was, it was pick your state of origin moment of all time. Wow. Oh, what did what did you end up picking just out of interest? Oh, the Tedesco try from last year. Oh, really? Yeah, there was only five there. options. Yeah, there was only five options, so I, I didn't know. And then I think there was the coin try. I think uh, the Mark coin try to me is the most memorable. What, what other ones were there? Yeah, there was the coin try. There was uh, there was uh, Tedesco's moment. Um, I think there was the Billy, oh, the Billy Slater uh, double kick, chip, double chip double kick. kick. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, but the one that I the one that I would have voted for is the uh, is the Jared Hayde. Try, but with no try on the tippy toe to the corner, right? So, oh, that would have been brilliant. That was uh, that's an almost famous, that's an almost origin moment, isn't it? Yeah, or the Martin Bell playing the ball the wrong way. <laughs> yep, yeah. Well, actually, my my favorite moment is wasn't even on the field, it was when uh, Gus Gould took Laurie Daly's seat on the oh, yeah. coaching bench. I think <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll never forget that. Yeah. That was absolutely gold. Uh, but look, anyway, back to this one. Look, I think uh, I don't know much about Kazoo or Kazoo, uh, but look, those of you out there in the, in the UK, please drop us a line and let us know: is this a good, is this a good deal? It sounds like financially, it's kind of the biggest sponsorship for of a rugby league World Cup in 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 its history, which is not saying much because it's it's not it's been a poor cousin to the other kind of uh, representative uh, games and, and series like State of Origin, etc. So I think um, I think it's it's such a good thing that we're going up and up. Ultimately, what we'd like to see is, uh, you know, companies like Apple and Tesla and whatever, you know, real massive multinational companies sponsoring this sport and sponsoring uh, the, the these competitions and tournaments, and that way we know that we'll, we will have uh, really garnered that end of the market. 
and got big, big bucks. But this is a start, and I don't think I'm not I'm not at all making fun or whatever. I think this is the start of something. When we're talking about record this and record that, it only means one thing, which is we're moving forward, we're moving upward, and and really it's uh it's such a good thing. So those of you who know what Kazoo is all about, uh, let us know what you think. Is this a really big deal? Uh, sounds like it is uh, by the looks of it, but. Yeah, we're keen to know from people who actually know more on the ground there in the UK. So let us know. Drop us a line. And look, with that, I think it's time to wrap up. Uh, as I said, drop us a line at rorepublic at gmail.com. Check us out on our website, uh, rorepublic.com. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter and uh, and all that jazz on iTunes as well where you can download all of our podcast episodes, including our special ones that we did this year uh, on uh, things like themes like almost famous and uh what was the other one we did we did uh, not almost famous almost almost fairy tales Mm. and the greatest rivalries of course so look we're happy to continue to do those if that's what you guys want but um before we wrap up actually we should say this is probably going to be our second last episode of the year next week we're going to do our our much anticipated uh rugby league republic awards uh, where we uh, go through uh, a bunch of... Uh, we've been doing quite a few of these for a few years now and looking forward to this. We've got certainly a lot of special, maybe a, a few new categories up our sleeve of uh, things that will really reflect what a weird season we've had this year. So, uh, Tish, uh, over to you to wrap this one up and thanks again for uh, an amazing podcast. Yeah, not a problem. And thank you, Dr. T. I'd like to thank everybody out there for listening. But that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.